Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Your Baltimore Ravens are in the AFC Championship game. That and more on Pod Like a Raven. I don't know if you heard me there in the intro, but your Baltimore Ravens are in the AFC Championship game. Demons have been exercised. This is not 2019. This is the number one seed, the best team in football, cruising by the end of the game to a victory at home in the divisional round. Bring on the Kansas City Chiefs. There's one game left for the Ravens to win to be in the Super Bowl. I am Antonio Barbera. Obviously, very excited to be talking with you all little excited, a little nervous, a little stressed out. We will get into all of it. Let me bring in my co-host, starting with Tim Horsey. Tim, we have plenty of time to talk about A Tale of Two Halves, but uh, just right off the jump here, stress-wise, A Tale of Two Halves. Yeah, uh, it was um, quite a different mood uh, in those 30-minute periods where... It, where you know, Jason and I were fortunate enough. We'll, I'm sure we'll mention it a couple times in this podcast to watch the game together, and we looked at each other multiple times in that first half, going, "Oh my God, it's going to happen again!" Um, and you know, the two of us in a room together, just the ultimate negative energy is flowing. Like it, it, it is, it is like a bad guy's lair in a Marvel film. It's just all bad news and negativity all the time. Um, and so we we weren't feeling very good, but then. Tell you what, like, like you mentioned, we'll get into a little bit. That that team turned a corner. That team showed that they are different. That team showed that they are not going to let this kind of panic, I guess, is the word, like like set in. And man, it was a uh, it was awesome to see. And there is an AFC title game coming to Baltimore. It's it's awesome. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Jay Sevens, uh, stress levels. Did they? Did they level by by the end of the game? By today? By Sunday? Or are they still uh, at whatever whatever that first half was? Well, they they definitely leveled for about a day and a half. Now we we have a new stress, Antonio, an excited kind of stress that I haven't. Uh, you know, it's been a long time for us uh, to have experienced this. The stress of your team is one win from being in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting. It's nerve wracking. Uh, and it's like I said, it's a feeling I kind of forgot about because it's been a sneaky long time since the Ravens have been the spot. Like you said, I mean, first AFC title game since they went to the Super Bowl after 2012, and it's the first time they're ever hosting it as the Ravens, the first time the city of Baltimore is hosting an AFC title game uh, since the Colts hosted one, uh, the, the first one, the literal first AFC title game in January of 1971. Um, so it's been a really, really long time uh, for the city and this team's never done it, and that's really exciting. The, you know, the right to play in the Super Bowl, you're playing that game at home, first time ever, and 
I think what this game showed me and why I'm encouraged for next week, because yes, I was very nervous at halftime, but the response was so strong. This is such a good team. It's such a different team. And if I may be so bold, I think regardless of what even happens next week, I think there's a pretty definitive way uh, statement to be made that this is the best team in franchise history. I think. I think just what they've showed on both sides of the ball all season long. Um, you know, you want to win a Super Bowl, but this team's really, really good. Um, and that encourages me that they can win next week and they can win the Super Bowl. We'll see. It won't be easy. And we'll get into that because <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes is coming to town if we haven't said. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's 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 nerve wracking, but exciting at the same time. Um, I'll, I'll be in a puddle on the floor most of Sunday. Mm-hmm. We'll see if I reform at all, but <laughs> might just become slightly more of a puddle. But uh yeah i don't know it was it was definitely a nerve-wracking game but their response was just so strong it was really really exciting to see the spoils of being one of the top seeds or being being the one seed and having a bye in the first round you win a game in the playoffs and all of a sudden it gets very real very quickly oh we're in the conference championship there are three games left in the nfl season and we are trying to get to a super bowl with this win one one more win we will get into that game in the second half of this episode, because first, we have to recap what happened over the weekend. Baltimore Ravens, 34-10 to 10 winners against the Houston Texans on Saturday, uh, which one thing that I, I do have to say quickly, very much liked being the first game. Just get the, get the win out of the way, watch a lot of other football games with significantly less stress, but <laughs> 34-10, to 10, fellas. The defense holds the Texans to three points, all game. The offense slow to get rolling in the first half and then just turn it on in the second. We're going to start with this Ravens defense. Zero sacks, zero turnovers, and yet zero touchdowns allowed and only a field goal allowed the entire game. I'd be very interested to know uh, how rare that is, but I mean, th- those stats, what do they tell you about this game, about this team, about this unit? Just solid strong defensive play all game stopped the run just eliminated the run got pressure consistently without getting sacks forced incompletions not getting those big swing plays the turnovers the sacks to take teams out of out of field goal range or you know out of but uh, put them behind the sticks not getting those big plays and still giving up three points makes you have to feel even more confident in how good this defense is across the board. I I think it's an example, Antonio, of what we've talked about for weeks of why Mike McDonald is probably not going to be the defensive coordinator next year and a head coach somewhere. Because, yeah, this defense, to, to not get those those kind of splash plays, but just to constrict them entirely, it just speaks to how structurally sound they are and how everyone does their job and there are super talented, obviously, right? Roquan Smith's great. Kyle Hamilton back in this game. Um, you didn't even really hear his name that much. Like, just like everyone just collectively doing their job so well. But I think it really starts up front. Like, even though I feel like a little bit I'll be talking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm Mr. Pressures Don't Matter. It's all about sacks guy. Um, but they put pressure on CJ Stroud. And it showed in this game. 12 different – this is via Next Gen Stats – 12 different pass rushers uh, got a pressure on C.J. Stroud this game. 12 different guys. 
and they were had the third quickest time to pressure of the season for the Ravens. Just 2.4 seconds Stroud had, basically, before he was under pressure, uh, when he was under pressure in this game. And four of those were from Justin Matabike, who we've talked about all year. He had a monster game. I think it starts with him up front, and it just spills out. Clowney, even all those guys up front, they just get after it, and they're just so solid. I mean, just the numbers are kind of astounding. And I think what even impresses me so they give up only 213 total yards in this game but just 68 in the second half when it was still a game it's 10 10 at halftime and they give up 68 yards in the second half they completely shut them down three yards per play allowed in the second half you just a team just doesn't have hope (laughs) when you're getting that like that when that's what's happened they're basically going close to three and out every time um and and yeah they just don't have on when you're on three yards per play they were just so dominant and to not to even do it to do it without those turnovers, I sp- think speaks truly to how great they are. Because this is just like yeah, like top to bottom, great defense. And that was we'll get into the offense. That's what annoyed me in this game because you watch that first half and you're like, this defense has come to play and this game is tied somehow. <laughs> Why is this happening? Um, but the offense held up their end of the bargain certainly in the second half. And the defense somehow played even better in the second half than they did the first. And yeah, it just complete domination from that unit. That unit is always going to keep you in a football game. Like, it just, it was so impressive throughout, um, you know, as, as we mentioned before, and we'll dive into a little bit later, the offense was putrid in the first half, and it was, it was again, shades of Mike Vrabel on the sideline and then Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, like, destroying the hopes of the 2019 Ravens. Like, you kind of got that vibe. Until the defense came on the field and shut everything down. I mean, like, like I'm, I'm just, I'm preaching to the choir here as Ravens fans. You know this, and and you understand. You know, watching this week in and week out, but we found the next Ray Lewis in terms of leadership, in terms of intimidation, in terms of suck the life out of the offensive side of the football for the other team and Roquan Smith. Um, I cannot believe that it would cost a second rounder and a fifth rounder <laughs> to bring a generational talent to the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> into the middle of the field again. He was on fire the entire time. If you didn't see any, I can't repeat this here, but go back and look up some of his pregame speeches. Um, then his postgame speech said, I don't care who we face. You got to deal with, they got to deal with us. They're coming here to the bank. Like I'm, I'm saying it and I'm butchering it. And I still want to run through a brick wall because of what that guy brings. Um, I thought the defense, I mean, Mike McDonald again was fantastic. Keep hiring Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson for your jobs, please. They're filling up. Mike Vrabel needs a job still. So does Jim Harbaugh. So does Bill Belichick. Keep filling them up. Keep filling them up. There's plenty of uh, coaches that would be bad hires that weren't Mike McDonald um, for those for those positions. I, I just think the defense the defense ran this game. They're going to run this. If the Ravens achieve what they want to achieve this season, and I'm almost feeling like we want to put a little bit of Festivus Maximus on it. Like I, I don't even want to say the words yet. Um, that the defense is going to be the thing that runs it. They're going to talk about Lamar. They're going to talk about Zay Flowers. They're going to talk about the resurgence of Isaiah, or not the resurgence, the emergence of Isaiah Likely. They're going to talk about the offense. They're going to talk about OBJ and his new fit. They're going to talk about whatever the hell Rashad Bateman is wearing walking into the game. <laughs> but it's the defense that runs the show in Baltimore. It always has. 
It always will. It's never changed. And my God, they were dominant on Saturday. And that's kind of what led this team to, you know, where they're at today in the Final Four hosting the freaking AFC Championship game. It makes sense, and yet it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the Ravens defense able to force a three and out uh, from the Texans on the first drive. The Ravens getting points on their first drive. Like, what, what they uh, they took the slights personally of how positive we all were uh, of the first drive three and out. Get a field goal, which I think was ma- massively important. Getting a lead, getting points on the board. We talked about that all last week of just how that was going to keep the crowd into it, was going to keep the, the nerves down for the players. So they do get points on that first drive. Uh, they do get a touchdown uh, later on. They make, you know, they get to get it to 10-3. Uh, to a wide-open Nelson Aguilar, which is, to me, cr- a perfect uh, kind of embodiment of, of what this team is. Because if, you're, if your fifth option is getting a touchdown, a wide-open touchdown in the postseason, how does a defense contend uh, with, with having to guard all these, all these different players? But even with the two scoring drives and the 10 points in the first half, it's pretty ugly uh, offensively. The vast majority of yards and first downs were just Lamar Jackson seeing space and taking it. Uh, the Texans either were, were blitzing and then he would just take advantage and hit hit the hole. They tried to do a, a spy on him for at least a few plays, and then the spy was kind of getting washed out of the middle of the field from how the play was developing. Lamar would just take the space that was in front of him and get another 10 yards. So it wasn't exactly... Uh, offense firing on all cylinders. It was just kind of taking some yards where they were, getting to 10-3, feeling pretty good. The crowd is amazing. The crowd is pumped up. They are able to force the Texans into five false starts and a delay of game penalty in this game. The crowd is going crazy. We have a lead. We're in control. And then you give up the punt return touchdown. Um, Felt a lot like the the Broncos. The Broncos game uh, in the 2012-2013 season with the special teams. The only thing we don't need to do is give up a big special teams disaster. And, of course, right on cue, it's now 10-10. The Ravens' offense is is kind of mired in a slump. The defense is looking around saying, how did we give up a touchdown without being on the field? And this is when kind of the, the nerves start coming. The Ravens haven't gotten a first down in a few drives. We're getting close to halftime. You, you definitely had the... I can't believe we're getting this game. And yet, and yet, the Texans drive, but the Kami Fairbairn misses a very makeable field goal. We wonder how would it have gone if he does make that field goal and it's 13-10. But anyway, he misses it. All in all, guys, I know it's halftime. It's 10-10. We're stressed out, but. We're stressed out, but. The defense had played lights out. Their only score for the Texans was on a, let's call it a fluky, type of play um (laughs) let's just get the assessment of your guys's uh stress levels there at halftime and also curious as to uh any other thoughts about things that happened in the first half or did you feel like the offense was going to be able to figure it out or were you concerned where where were we at um as the food came out uh right around halftime yeah no no, the food was out we just started shoveling in our mouths at halftime because uh (laughs) that was that was when the panic really set in no, I didn't think they were going to be able to figure it out. And it's not an indictment on them. It's not an indictment on this current 2023-24 Ravens team. It's old ghosts and old haunts. And I'm I'm looking at Jace, who has basically built a pillow fort around him on the couch. And I'm like, I'm doing the old man take of like, 
You can't rest guys. You're not allowed to rest guys anymore. <laughs> they got to play. I want a wild card team. I hate this S. Like I just I can't do this anymore. And um, an absolute massive credit to them. They came out firing in the second half. And I know we'll get to it in a second, but um, I was I was very nervous that they were not going to adjust from the as as Jace pointed out in person. And I'm sure he'll dive in in detail here in the podcast. The eight step drops, the long routes, like every everything was. 10 to 15 yards down the field. And by the time Lamar Jackson got on his back foot, the routes weren't even finished yet. And he's scrambling around and the, the Texans have sent six and we're, we're two dumb idiots looking at the TV being like, you can't keep doing this. They're, they're blitzing you. You have to be quicker. And um, luckily it turned out that way. But yeah, if you're just asking me in the moment, um, I was mortified. We'll just say that. <laughs> uh, and I thought that it was going to happen again. But obviously, uh, it, it turned out for the better in the second half. Yeah, I, I was distraught as well. <laughs> and, and for like what Tim was saying, it just and the reason I was distraught was just how similar it looked to Titans 2019, Bills 2020 in particular. You can throw even the Chargers game in there, although I barely think about that one. But... It just, they seem to have no answers for what Houston was doing. And specifically, as Tim was saying, the, those dropbacks, it was like, it felt like we were just panicking. And Lamar was taking these super deep dropbacks, going nowhere. And I think what set the panic in for me the most is it, it's three straight three and outs to end the first half, uh, which isn't great. On the, the, the three and out right after the punt return, which came on a three and out, obviously. Uh, the third down was the play that Nelson Aguilar sort of dropped the ball where him and Zay Flowers were somehow in the exact same space, basically. And I was like, well, I've seen, seen routes like this before <laughs> uh, with Greg Roman, and that didn't make me feel good. And then I felt even worse after, you know, you have this reprieve after Fairbairn misses that field goal, and I'm almost like, just get us to halftime. But there's a few seconds left, and you're like, well, maybe they, you know, what if we get the ball first out of halftime? What if we steal a possession and then Lamar loses 22 yards on back-to-back sacks, and that's your two-minute drill. And it, it just, to me, that was when the panic set in, for me personally, and more just the, oh, my God, this is just the same thing. Because it just felt yeah, like, yeah, they, I was like, they have nothing. This is your two-minute drill, and you're taking 22 yards worth of sacks. <laughs> it's just, it felt like they had no answers to anything. But uh, as Tim said, they obviously, they did. They regrouped, and they found those answers. But yeah, we were we were losing our minds just talking about, like, they're just blitzing him again and again and again, and they're doing nothing about it. It's just these deep dropbacks to nowhere. And yeah, so yeah, the panic was high, but uh, um, they adjusted. The numbers bear that out. I don't know. We can dive into that in a minute but yeah it was it was not good at halftime but to their credit um they played one of the best second halves this team's played this season and maybe in years so it was really encouraging from that standpoint that they didn't panic even if we were all panicking even if we were definitely (laughs) panicking there's a uh a now just infamous 10 second 20 second video I, i think it's still on youtube it's very old it's of ed reed at the University of Miami, coming out of the tunnel at halftime of a big game that they've been playing in, and he says the like, "I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Uh, I put my heart in this." And then they run out and they have an amazing second half. There are not rumors; it has been said that Lamar Jackson had a fiery halftime talk, quote unquote, 
edgy was a word that was used. I'm going to assume it was more intense than edgy. Uh, I would love, I would love for uh, an Ed Reed like video or, or audio to appear five years from now of what that conversation was because it worked. Second half, good night Texans, good night Moon. Ravens, from the second half kickoff that Devin DuVernay, welcome back Devin DuVernay, returned to the Baltimore 45-yard line to the final whistle. It was all Baltimore. Touchdown, 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 field goal on their only four possessions in the second half, and that's how you get to a 34-10 win. Guys, the adjustments. Talk adjustments here about, about how they figured this out, uh, whether by motivation or by X's and O's. <laughs> So uh, I do want to just start, we mentioned it in passing, the blitzing thing. Because it was obviously, I think, the Texans' plan. They blitz way more than they normally do, uh, by all accounts, some of the things I was listening to. In the first half, they blitzed on 13 of Lamar's 18 dropbacks. And this is all via next-gen stats. Uh, and they got 10, pres- 10 pressures and 3 sacks on those blitzes. Uh, and they, you know, they kind of kept it up. They ended the game with a 75% blitz rate. So it wasn't like they completely fell off in the second half. Um, but they didn't get any sacks in the second half. And the reason is, uh, as you know, Tim and I were yelling at the TV about, the, these guys are professionals. They see this even more clearly than we do. Uh, they got the ball out way faster. Lamar's uh, time to throw versus the Blitz in the second half dropped to 2.25 seconds. He was holding on to it against the Blitz 3.51 seconds in the first half. So it was just quicker. It was more decisive. Harbaugh explicitly mentioned in his postgame presser, like, more revealing than he generally is on things, that they made a conscious choice to quote, uh, but of not, quote, uh, trying to push the ball down the field quite as much. So they knew they were trying to do too much in the first half, and I, I feel like they simplified it. And um, and Harbaugh mentioned he thought that opened up the run game too, and obviously they found running success as this game went on in particular. Um but yeah, it, I think it's very clearly like just the the things that seemed like they didn't have an answer for it. They did have an answer for it. It was like we got to throw these balls way quicker than we are uh, when faced if they're going to bring this kind of pressure. And it worked brilliantly. Like I obviously you you mentioned it. They scored every drive in the second half and probably would have gotten a field or could have gotten a touchdown on that final drive if they had cared to try at all. I think they ran the ball into the line for three straight times and that was their final drive basically. Uh, so. Um, yeah, it was uh, a brilliant adjustment, and uh, there's a clip of Todd Munkin going around, I believe from this game, of uh, him saying, thank God we play 60 minutes and not 30 to some fan <laughs> who asked him about the game. Uh, it, it was just a real credit to them, and I think, you know, not to rag on Greg Roman too much, but it was like... Basically, the first half was, as we said, those playoff games against the Titans, against the Bills, uh, where the just adjustments were not really being made. Uh, that needed to be made. Um, and Todd Munkin and La- Lamar, uh, who Harbaugh credited for, his, um, as you said in that speech, he saw what was going wrong too. Uh, but Munkin, Lamar, and Harbaugh, they all uh, adjusted, and, and it was brilliant. I, I thought, you know, the second half is as good as offensive football gets, especially in the playoffs. I mean, those the, the latter two drives especially, I mean, it's so important to score coming right out of halftime, and Duvernay's return was so huge because I think that just put the momentum in the crowd – put everything at ease. Um, so that drive was probably the biggest, but then just basically two straight seven minute drives to put the game away. I mean, it was game over at 31, 10, even though there, you know, there were seven minutes left or whatever, six minutes left. Um, that's what you got to, that's how you win playoff games. Seven minute touchdown drives. It doesn't get better than that. 
and finishing teams off, which is something that will be obviously incredibly important um, this coming Sunday. I to to watch to watch that offense actually make adjustments and figure something out, and even to our eyes, change things. Like you know, we're not you know sitting here pretending to be all twenty two scouts or guys that apparently have jobs, but then just watch all twenty two and tweet it out constantly. <laughs> like just, Good on you. That credit to you. That's incredible. That's not what this podcast is. It's not what we do. Um, for us, in layman's terms, quote unquote, to see the adjustments that the Ravens were making immediately was awesome. You know, there's the, you know, Jason and I kind of looked at each other. Um, he's Lamar is in the shotgun and he's not even stepping back once. He's taking the ball and immediately getting it out. It's like, okay, now they kind of get it, and, and the response, the, the the middle eight, as I talk about all the time on this podcast. The, the last four minutes of the first half, and then importantly for this conversation, the first four minutes of the second half, um, to dominate those and win those battles um, is so huge. And it's old man football y. Um, it's, it's probably doesn't matter. And frankly, like, you know, a lot of the time you're not going to see this stuff because organizations don't want you to. But hearing or seeing, excuse me, Lamar run down the tunnel at halftime and then hearing all the stories about him absolutely laying into the team fires you up. Um, and even the defensive guys. Like Patrick Queen was interviewed post-game was like, yeah, he came in and there were some things I can't say to, uh, I think it was Sal Palantonio who was talking to him from ESPN. So I, I can't say what he said, but he was fired up. He's ready to go. He knew the offense wasn't doing their job. And, like, look. I'm not going to get into the whole debate that Ravens fans did for years about, like, does Joe Flacco care? Because obviously he did. Um, But he was just more of a reserved, like, even-keeled type of guy. I I like the quarterback with a little bit of stuff behind him because it's a family show. Like, I, I, I like hearing that he was ready to lay into not only his teammates but himself for not getting the job done and and you know for him obviously this is kind of a legacy game ravens lose that football game we're here in eight months of lamar jackson's a choker and lamar jackson can't do it in the biggest moments and even even for educated people like us not watching you know Stephen a ever or skip bayless ever or the the guy who his hair's all long now and he looks stringy and gross nick wright just cut it dude like i don't know what you're doing uh, to, to just not even have those social media clips like pollute your feed for the next four or five months is incredible because of that moment because of how they how important they realized it was and um it's cool man like like jay said it, it, it a little hot takey off the top saying this is the best ravens team ever and you know there's certainly a debate to be had about that but that's the kind of stuff that separates them you know, it's not only the talent, it's not only the execution, it's not only the just depth that this team has all over the field. Marlon Humphrey didn't even play in this game, and it didn't matter. Like, that type of stuff would cripple a Ravens team beforehand. But it's the it's also the, and again, because I don't feel like editing this out later as we record on Monday night, the stuff that they have about them. They got a little bit of stuff to them, and... You just love to see it, man. It, it, it warms my heart to watch a pissed-off Ravens team play football. Um, and, and, and you saw it again. And the, the first-half approach offensively, 
I think made sense wanting to stretch the field. That is what the Browns killed the Texans with in the first half of the playoff game the previous week. Makes sense wanting to hit that stuff in the first half, but then changing, as you guys have touched on. Being okay with changing the game plan to something else that's going to be quicker, more efficient, and gets the ball moving. Um, it, it, obviously, it was one of the most important things to, in this football game. I want to talk a few more intangibles, a few more little things that went differently this time around in the divisional round compared to 2019. Harbaugh goes for it on fourth and one at midfield, and they convert easily on a perfect play design, getting Jackson outside as opposed to 2019 when he got stoned running into the line multiple times in very important short yarded situations. When the Texans ran their trick play, double reverse, uh, you know, back to Stroud for a pass to the flat, Geno Stone stayed home and made a great play to prevent what would have been a huge gain. It was Geno Stone and a lot of space behind him, and he was able to, to hold the play up just enough. As opposed to 2019, when the Titans ran their version of a trick play and Derrick Henry throws a little jump pass for a touchdown. Getting the Texans to jump offside at the end of the third quarter when the clock was winding down and the only point was doing a hard count to try to get the Texans to jump and getting it to succeed. It was Houston making these mental mistakes, not the Ravens. And it makes me feel pretty confident uh, about the, f the future for this team in this postseason because it was exactly those little things that they did wrong repeatedly and then got nervous about and then were pressing when they were the better team in, in 2019 in this game. By the time we got to the second half and things settled, the run game was working. They had all these little things go right because of how they played. It wasn't luck that they succeeded on those on this fourth and one. It was the play call. It was the design and the execution and, and, and everything like that. Feels good to be on, on the winning side of it when you're supposed to be the, the significant significantly better team. I want to shout out a few players, and then I'll let you guys give your, give your opinions or, or add in a few names. Kyle Van Noy. Did nothing huge in the box score, but he was incisive all game, getting pressure inside and out, whether it be against the pass or whether it be stuffing the run. Zay Flowers, uh, by the way, this was his playoff debut. Did he look like a player playing in his first postseason football game? No. The hands were strong. The plays were made. The feet, getting the feet toe-tapping before going out of bounds. Uh, had a huge third down conversion where he basically made the play by himself. He caught it a few yards short and shook his defender. But really all the receivers, no drops, secure catches. Rashad Bateman, who we have been ragging on, he had several <laughs> good catches. Um, Justice Hill ran hard, head down, full power, full speed. Uh, got some really important first downs. It's been said a little bit. Um, Luke Jones, I think, was maybe the first the first person to note it uh, on Twitter. Um, Justice Hill has been an unsung guy this year. Not talked about very much outside of when he fumbled. Right, <laughs> Those were the things that really even us, the only things that we talked about for him. He had overall has had a pretty strong season uh, in his role. Has probably been asked to do more than you would want from, from that, that type of player. And he's coming on and, and had a great game uh, in this. Um, this isn't really a shout out, but Dalvin Cook had multiple carries in this football game. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, 
but yeah, eight carries, I believe, for Dalvin Cook and had what had his uh, season high, for <laughs> season long, I should say, in those eight carries. So there's just so many names. I haven't even mentioned any of the top, top players on this team because that's how deep this team is and that's how well-rounded of a performance, uh, a performance that it was on Saturday. It was impressive. Uh, Justice Hill, I, I do feel we were talking about him while we were watching uh, on Saturday, and I do feel bad. I still am terrified, Antonio, of the fumbles. I like, but he is a good player. He's a good runner. Like he has some burst. He has some power. It's just I'm like, just hold on to the ball. That's all. I, that's all I want uh, from you. But um, I, I, I wanted to touch on him too. Just jumping off your point because I, I was impressed and kind of watching this and we didn't talk about this too much Tim, but I was thinking about it was just as they were kind of leaning on the, uh, uh, on the Texans um, certainly in the second half, especially kind of when they put the game away, the drive that puts them up 31 to 10 in particular, um, it was really, it was impressive. They were just leaning on them. I thought they kind of broke the Texans in many ways. It, it was beautiful to see. It was how you seal a playoff game. And it got my mind just thinking about like, this, this what we're watching is kind of what 2019 was supposed to be. Like they still have this element with the Ravens, where they do rush for what it was 229 yards, right? Yeah, on 42 attempts, they ran the ball 42 times in this game, and so in many ways, the offense isn't like that different, right, from what they were doing in 2019. Har- John Harbaugh much like his brother Jim, is always going to be a guy who kind of wants to run the ball first first and foremost before anything. Um, so the fact that um, they've introduced kind of all these different elements, I think, you know, have made their pass offense more exciting. Um, and one play in particular, not to steal other points, but uh, we got the likely rollout pass, uh, just the Lamar rollout pass that seems to always work. I saw a stat today on Twitter. I don't have the exact number. But basically on non-play action rollout passes – um, Lamar is second only to Patrick Mahomes in the league, uh, by like a mile, um, ahead of anyone else, uh, Lamar is, uh, in terms of touchdowns on these kind of plays. It just seems to always work because when Lamar's rolling to his right, teams are just going to have to defend him. And it seems like he's hit this play alone to likely several times. That was a very nice pass. You know, he put touch on it. There was that, uh, Twitter back and forth. Uh, of them showing, I, I don't know if you saw that, uh, Antonio, but they showed on the broadcast, he had spiked, well, nearly threw a pick in the end zone, spiked one uh, down to the ground, probably Lamar's worst throw of the day, uh, and, and likely told him to throw it up next time. And then he did. And I don't know if he, Lamar was thinking about that really when he tossed it to him. They didn't, I didn't see them say particularly, but that was a fun play. Uh, and yeah, I just, I, I, but I feel like that plays kind of like the wrinkles off like, still their kind of run-first approach in many ways uh, is what makes this team's offense fun, that they still can just kind of put the hammer down and run the ball uh, with uh, with Gus and with Justice Hill, with some power, with Dalvin Cook now, who's, you know, showed a little bit of power in his, at least his one kind of burst run. Um, they can still do that. Obviously, they don't have that explosive element anymore that they had with Keaton Mitchell but they can still grind, and that might be more important, honestly, when it comes to playoff football, is the ability to kind of just grind, grind these games out. And so that's what impressed me, especially on that the the touchdown drive to make it thirty-one to ten that ends with the Lamar up the tunnel run. Uh, was the, they just leaned on him and they put the game away? And like I think I said earlier, it was game over when they scored. You're up twenty-one in the fourth quarter. Like I know we have blown twenty-one point leads in the fourth quarter. You weren't blowing that game. 
to the Texans at that point. You probably weren't blowing it up 14-0, but it just was hammer in, and it was really fun to watch. And it's the same thing with that is not only was it just like, you know, first of all, I don't know why this is the game that they decided to bring back the read option with Justice Hill. Like, I would say tight (laughs) tight sphincter moments every time that that came up. But um, not only is it like, hey, we can give the ball to all these running backs, we can do all these design runs, but if you blitz Lamar Jackson and leave a bunch of yards in front of him, we're just going to take those two. Like it's an element of Lamar's game that we haven't seen a lot this season because for whatever reason, obviously getting away from the Greg Roman scheme and, and you know, if you want to say he's trying to prove that he's more of a passer, whatever it is, we just haven't seen it that much, but there was a lot of time in this game where Lamar just said, all right, screw it. And tucked it and run for 10 yards. 12 yards, 15 yards, whatever it is. And that element, you kind of forget that it's there, and then it pops up, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the most – this guy is an alien on the football field playing against a bunch of humans, which is just another element that they – you don't even have to script for, but you're just like, hey, if you need to go make a play, go make a play, and you can go make a play that way, which I think is great. Um, I, but – the, my my biggest intangible, it's been mentioned already, um, but we should talk about it again. I thought the crowd was freaking awesome in this game. Uh, the Texans had so many penalties pre-snap, because, and they mentioned it multiple times on the broadcast. You know, we, Jason and I, and we had friends over as well. We were looking at each other, just kept, like, er, even early on, just being like, this crowd is loud. They are ready to go. And what, what was the thing we were worried about? Antonio said it, like, Hey, look! This team might go three and out to start the game. The crowd can't be the crowd can't be edgy. They can't be you know sitting on their hands. They got to fight through it. And you're going into that locker room at ten ten with a game that you feel like you've been dominating. Jason and I weren't in the crowd, thank God, because we <laughs> we weren't having it. We weren't having a good time. But that crowd over and over again just said screw it we're gonna come out we're gonna come out with a vengeance we're gonna be mean nasty and loud and man they were awesome and you know, you could say well they you know they tune you know it's somebody who kind of works in a little bit in production obviously not tv stuff they can turn those crowd volumes up they can turn those mics up and make it sound louder than it is but then you see the effect that it has on the other team and it was really really cool to see and guess what it's going to be even louder on Sunday uh, when, when Patrick Mahomes comes to town, which is it, just, it, it, it literally brings a tear to my eye. It, it, it's just cool seeing that that fan base and our fan base not get down, not get worried, and even if they are, still just going to in in ten degree weather scream and yell, and I mean they're probably all properly boozed up because it was so cold outside. And good on them. Um, it was. It was really, really cool to see, and you know, bring it again, bring it again on Sunday because the team's going to need it. That's the only thing I wanted to add, Tim, uh, in terms of intangibles. Is uh, jumping off your point uh, is yeah, the crowd was impressive, and the Ravens were impressive. 
because of how cold it was. It was the coldest day of the year by far in the state. And uh, it was very cold out. And I know I personally have harped on Lamar and questioned if he could even play below 50 degrees. Well, it was like, what, like 23 degrees when this game kicked off? Something like that. And it got cold. It was 17 degrees when I left Tim's house uh, <laughs> Saturday night. So it was really cold. And he, they, he came to play. They came to play. And they just... Uh, the fans brought it, and it was impressive given, uh, yeah, I I had no interest in being out in that weather. <laughs> so so the fact that, uh, you know, everyone raised their game in that uh, environment, um, you know, that's playoff football. It's going to be cold. You play in an outdoor stadium in Maryland. Uh, yeah, is it going to be colder in Green Bay and Buffalo? Yes. In Kansas City? Yes. But it gets pretty, it gets pretty cold in Maryland too in the winter. So if you're gonna host playoff games uh, in Maryland, you gotta play in the cold weather, and they did it expertly uh, on Saturday. This is a, that reminded me, Jace, of a, a stupid thing I forgot to tell you guys. Um, but it's a perfect hindsight um, thing to mention now. We were talking about the weather. We've made fun of Lamar in weather, uh, whatever it may be. Then they should. I saw like the first social media picture of him like dressed for the game and he didn't he didn't have the long sleeves no long sleeves on and i saw the photo and i went huh so somebody's uh somebody's not worried about this cold at all so uh this game is over over before it started (laughs) um but i wasn't gonna say that i wasn't gonna post that publicly uh, until the game until the game actually ended um a few more things for me here as uh as we kind of empty out the notebook lamar's fourth by the way, fourth and final touchdown. The run down the tunnel felt like a moment for for me, for him. It felt like a moment of release for him, for the team. The monkey, like visibly the monkey comes off his back and he runs in jubilation into the tunnel. Uh, the game was over at that point. He had achieved the, the, uh, obviously a very major goal that he has based on all the criticism that he has, he has taken. Um, so many of the players like running into the tunnel, following him in there. It just felt like this team. Okay, we're done with the challenge of getting over postseason losses. We blew out this team that we were significantly better than. We're ready for the bigger challenges. We're ready for the real, the real stuff. Um, I'm gonna touch on a couple of negatives. Don't worry, I'm not gonna finish. I'm not gonna finish on that. But <laughs> the special teams touchdown. <laughs> disastrous and we have noted special teams has not been good all season may it not prove to be uh, (laughs) a major issue uh in a closer in a closer game um speaking of terrible the john harbaugh challenge uh in the second half of this game he's bad at it and that was maybe the worst one that he's ever made i mean they showed him (laughs) i think after he'd thrown the challenge flag, but before the review was done, they showed him, and I think he was saying into this like headset, like, come on, guys, because he had already figured out how bad the challenge was. So I, I think somebody was in his ear telling him to challenge it, and it was, oh boy, not not close. So, you know, one, one decade, uh, John Harbaugh will figure out challenges, but it is not this decade. <laughs> well, he, he challenged actually less than he has all year, and obviously a lot more... Um... Uh, plays are just automatically reviewed than when he first became coach. Something you'd think he'd know, even though we saw him challenge an unchallengeable play at a certain point this season. 
Um, but he's out for four now on challenges this season, Antonio. Uh, Not interested um, in winning a challenge. Yeah. No. Interestingly, also went 0 and 6 in 2019, so he has gone 0 for before. Um, yeah, he's real bad at it. 54 and 127 <laughs> lifetime. So uh, I don't know. He just, I think he's an emotional challenger at times. You know, it was one of those ones where I, I told Tim, I was like, I saw the ball come out, but like, I'm pretty sure he was down because. No one tried to fight for it that much outside of Trenton Simpson. <laughs> so, I don't know. At the, that point in the game, I didn't think it was, like, the worst challenge in the world. But, yeah, it was immediately clear on one replay that it was not going to work. So that's why you wonder, like, well, who was in his ear telling him he should he should throw that? Uh, that was a concern. And then, yeah, the only other off of the two points you made is uh, – yeah, Jordan Stout, a weird game. I know we talked about the weather was bad, but on top of the punt return, he, he had a 27-yard punt at one point in this game. That's not going to work against Patrick Mahomes, so figure figure it out. <laughs> um, we need at least 40-yard punts uh, on the regular uh, going against the Chiefs. So, yeah, that, that was, that was I, I think, in hindsight, how given how the game played out. Yeah, one of one of the bigger negatives and one of the players who probably had the toughest time of things uh, on Saturday was Jordan Stout. My uh, my last thing here, got to end positive, guys. It was a thirty-four to ten uh, yeah. playoff win. <laughs> the final play call. Uh, it's not technically the final play call, but I'm going to pretend like it is. It was while the game was still kind of a game, um, and it's exactly why uh, Mike McDonald should only be a defensive coordinator. He shouldn't be a head coach. Don't bother hiring him. He's good at the defensive stuff. He blitzes Millette off the edge. He drops Justin Matabuke into coverage, and Matabuke goes directly into the throwing lane of where Stroud wanted to go with the pass on, uh, I believe it was on a fourth, must have been a fourth down play to, to get the, I think it was before the Ravens kicked the final field goal. Um, and it was beautiful. It was the perfect just... This guy is a magician. He he's doing the mad scientist. He look at the creativity, and not only that, uh, you got your guy with your sack leader, defensive or like defensive lineman dropping into coverage, and he's exactly where the Texans wanted to go with the ball. He's just dialing it up, and he's working eight steps ahead uh, of offensive coordinators and offensive play callers, and it is a sight to behold. Definitely don't hire him. He's not good to be a head coach. He should only be a defensive coordinator. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on this game, guys? I'll just I'll just go quickly on that. You know, not to harp on it because it's an off season topic because the Ravens are still playing football, which is crazy. Um, there's a, not a lot of news about old Mike McDonald. You know, we we talked about it last week. Of he's interviewed for all these openings, but then they keep getting filled up by other people, and other people are more heavily linked. I'm not. Like, I'm not saying anything about it. I'm not, you know, hey, credit to those guys for hiring other people that aren't Mike McDonald because <laughs> he probably won't make a great coach. Probably not. Nope. Um, it's been interesting to see that, you know, we've been talking about it over the soon-to-be Patreon-exclusive Pod Like a Raven text group. Um, these These things are filling up fast. These openings are filling up fast with people that are just getting hired over Mike McDonald. Like, we're going to give Raheem Morris another shot? Uh, sure. Why not? Why not? Um, you know, obviously, 
He was very young when he took his first coaching job. Now he's learned a lot. He's an incredible defensive coordinator. Maybe just try to give Raheem Morris another shot. Bill Belichick, you know, the the higher ups in Atlanta don't want him, but you know, or the excuse me, the the highest up wants him and Arthur Blank. The ones below the highest up, the higher ups, don't want him because that would probably mean the end of their respective jobs. Um, but you know, Bill Belichick is a legendary coach. He should probably go there. Oh, L.A. Chargers, I see you're looking at the other hardball. You should just hire him. Have a great time. And Antonio Pierce, fantastic hire, legitimately. Fantastic hire by the Raiders. Good job there. Um, just keep filling up these spots. That's all I'm saying. Mike Vrabel's still out there. Mike Vrabel, great football coach. Would be amazing in the NFC, preferably on the West Coast, as far away as possible. Um, you know, Seahawks, maybe. I don't know. There's just a lot. There's a lot of job openings that are slowly getting whittled down. And Mike McDonald hasn't emerged out of any of those. So uh, let's keep it that way is all I'd say. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. With that, let's temporarily turn away from the Ravens and talk about, I guess, these other teams that also had football games this weekend. Uh, we're going to run through the, the divisional round uh, and then preview, preview, preview Ravens at Chiefs. Uh, excuse me, Chiefs at Ravens. Um, in the first game, Niners, Packers. I would not have complained uh, had the Packers held on to this one, but uh, <laughs> just not quite enough. I think the 49ers should consider themselves very fortunate to still be in the uh, in the playoff race. Purdy could have been picked in the second half. The 49ers get a, a tipped pass interception. Uh, then they get the missed Carlson 41-yard field goal. And they're moving on. Uh, frustrating if you're trying to eliminate, as a Ravens fan, the, the top seeds around you. But um, Jordan Love finally looking human uh, in this football game, and the 49ers move on. Yeah, I would have definitely lo- <laughs> preferred the Packers with this one. I was rooting for them uh, by the end. But I-, I will just say, I don't know how you guys feel, but I find... Nothing, I think, currently in the NFL more exhausting than Brock Purdy discourse. Like, both directions. Like, I think I think he's fine. <laughs> I think he had a mostly bad game, and then he had a nice final drive to get the 49ers the victory. I don't know that it needs to be analyzed too much deeper than that, but see, people seem to have referendums on him 
somewhat semi-regularly now every few weeks it seems there was the when they lost three in a row there was the is it time to bench bench him for sam darnold conversation that sprang up and then they run off ran off a bunch of wins in a row and then somehow it was oh is brock purdy actually the mvp and then he threw four picks against uh the ravens and so then he wasn't anymore and, and then i felt like it, it's just re-emerged again after this game and it's just it's very tiring for someone who I like, I don't know. I I think it's fine to say he's not a superstar, but he's pretty solid. <laughs> he almost cost him this game, uh, but the Packers shot themselves in the foot too much. I, I think you said like even the even at the last like I don't know that they could have scored a touchdown in regulation, but the Packers had a really good chance to uh, get a field goal here, and Jordan Love just made a horrible decision throwing cross body, and he got picked off. So, yeah, I, I think this game was more the Packers shooting themselves in the foot um, because they came to play, and the Niners, they did look rusty. Um, it, it, for the Niners, it was kind of similar to some of – a little like how we did sort of, except their struggles basically continued almost the entire game until the fourth quarter. Um, and, and they got some turnovers uh, that they needed to win um, this game. So – I don't know. I I, I I leave this game thinking the Packers blew it more and that we don't need to debate Brock Purdy for eight hours on all the national TV shows. But uh, and that seems to be what people have chosen to do <laughs> after this game. Because some people have legitimately compared him to Joe Montana for leading a final drive that put them ahead. Uh, and other people have rightly pointed out, yeah, he wasn't that good. He made, he missed a lot of throws. Like what? There was one kid. Ayuk had like a crazy catch that didn't have to be as hard as it did, where he like basically scooped it off the turf to convert like a first down in a big spot. I don't know. It's just it was a very strange game. And um, one, I guess I don't want to say encouraged because the Ravens have already beaten this team. But if we do see the Niners again, maybe I'm less scared of them than I have been in the back of my mind. But. I don't know. I'm putting the cart before the horse. They have to beat the Chiefs first. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Mahomes is still going to town there, Jace. So we you got a you got a tougher opponent, dude. Whoever whoever the NFC um, has representing them in the Super Bowl will be an easier opponent than the Kansas City Chiefs. I will just put I will just simply put it that way. Um, for for the Niners, it's weird, man, because to be so. Like, Debo Samuel goes out, and it changes things completely. And that's the issue when you have a, as Jace so rightly puts it, because we're not going to sit here and debate this in this podcast, a fine quarterback. Like, they, they've built weapons everywhere, incredible offensive line, defense might have some issues, fine quarterback to just kind of distribute the ball, because that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. He wants a guy that basically... He just puts his brain in this quarterback and says, quarterback, go make decisions, and that's how they deal with things. Um, but then you lose one of those guys in Debo Samuel, and it, it's just weird to me how it crumbles, where Debo is a very important player, he's a very good player, but he's also not the most reliable health-wise. And so the fact that your team kind of just shuts down in a way when when the off-injured star receiver goes out is something that I think is a little bit of a concern. Um, you know, uh, we'll see when it comes to playing the Lions, and we'll talk about that game a little bit later in, in, the, in the gambling segment, but the Niners are not this juggernaut team that everybody thought they would be. It was the juggernaut if they could stay healthy, the juggernaut if they could stay healthy, and then if they're not healthy, 
it's a problem, and this is the w there's one injury here. It's not like multiple Kittle's out, Trent Williams is out. Oh, Brock Purdy's got a little bit dinged up. It's just this one guy, and it looks like there's already a big chink in the armor, which is, which I think is which is crazy. Um, for the not for the Packers, man, like I tell you what, and this is not an original thought. Everybody said this, so I'm not you know I'm not saying that this is something that I've discovered, but. The way the Lions were talked about this offseason is the way the Packers are going to be talked about next offseason. <laughs> they are going to be the darling, darling team of everybody, and they should be. They're super young, they're super talented, and they found their guy in Jordan Love. Um, thank God we're not we're AFC North, not NFC North, because if I was an NFC North fan having to play the Packers, it would just be like, they can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> um, and, they, and they have again, so credit to them. I don't think there's – it sucks to lose the Niners again. But I don't think there's a ton that you can be, you know, if you're not, if you're a Packers fan, you're like, we got a long road ahead of us, and you just kind of take it that way. Lions Bucks, uh, I have some really detailed analysis on this game. Um, it felt like, oh wow, Baker Mayfield is keeping it close, but not a Baker Mayfield may lead them all the way back. It just the whole second half was kind of like. He is doing just enough to keep at a respectable scoreline. I had very little belief, I guess, that they were actually going to pull off the two-touchdown deficit in Detroit and with that crowd, with that stadium. Um, and the Lions advance. I don't, it was like you know maybe the, the most quiet matchup of the four, um, at least from, from our perspectives. And the better team moves on without maybe having the best, the best performance for, for them. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think we, we kind of even, I think, talked about it in the lead-in is the Lions, I think, have some clear flaws. I, I don't think they're the most defensively sound team, at least certainly on the back end. They do some interesting stuff here and there. They get some turnovers at times. But I'm with you. I never really felt like, especially, like, pretty much after the Gibbs touchdown. But then, obviously, yeah, they go up 14 with just over six minutes to go. And even though they got a quick TD and, you know, Baker's so weird because he hit some huge passes on that touchdown drive uh, to Mike Evans. The touchdown was nice. There was like, he had a number of really great throws in this game, but like, even they get the ball back and you're like, can he do it? They're down, they're down eight because Todd Bowles did the, th the, here's my old man football thing I hate is going for two down eight. I get it, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I hate it. Because in my brain, I'm like, well, now you have to get the two. And I know that's the whole point, the whole point of it, <laughs> but uh, I still don't like it. I, I, I'd i rather they would have kicked. But regardless, they get the ball back with a chance to tie, and you're like, oh, maybe you could do it. And then probably two plays later, he throws a pick and kind of takes the <laughs> takes, takes the little drama out of things a little bit. So, yeah, it never really yeah, felt like to me like the Lions were in too much trouble. Their offense can really get rolling at times. Um Detroit certainly, which is, you know, kind of weird to say of a Jared Goff team. They they can sometimes go through s some down patches where it seems like he just doesn't connect. But then but then when they get fired up, yeah, like they you know they score touchdowns on three straight drives in the second half to win the game basically, um, more or less, or put 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 themselves in position to win the game. So um, yeah, they. Uh, they're interesting. I don't know. We'll talk about it. I don't, I don't know if they could beat the Niners. I think maybe they can if certain things go right. But, you know, I think the bigger thing just for Detroit is happy for Detroit. They've never been here in our lifetimes, um, and or, or it's been a long time anyway. And then it's like, um, you know, 
you're one win from the Super Bowl and you're a team that's never played in the Super Bowl. That's like a, a, a you know, we have our stress for, for the Ravens. We've seen the, we've seen them do it. We've seen them hold the Lombardi trophy. I can't even imagine if you're like a Lions Twice. fan whose team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just very cognizant for both of them. And uh, I can't imagine if you're like a Lions fan who's like 50 years old is, or like has existed like as long as the Super Bowl has been around and your team's never played in the Super Bowl. <laughs> To, to be one win from that, that's got to be a whole, a whole different level of stress. So it'll be it'll be a huge week for them. It's exciting for them and for, to just kind of have new blood in the Final Four. We I feel like we haven't had that in a while. So um, I was excited for them in that sense. But, yeah, I feel like there's not too many big-picture takeaways. Like, similar to the Packers, I, I mean, I guess different in the sense that I don't know if the Bucks will be back here because they're in kind of a weird transition thing and Baker's not under contract. But... I don't know. Are you that bad if you're the Bucs if, like, you went 9-8 and eight and made it to the second round? Like, I feel like that's a pretty good season, all things considered, based on expectations. Yeah, I mean, good on Baker for leading a mediocre team to a mediocre playoff spot. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, whatever. Um, for I, He guaranteed himself a job somewhere, so that's good. Fine. We've had our Baker talks on this podcast before. I'm not going to continue those here. Um the lion it's just such a cool story for the lions and man i hope they beat the niners one because i think we can kick the crap out of the lions and two because, go lions two because it'll be two weeks of lions talk two weeks of lions 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 you know what maybe deservedly that's fine like i'm not even saying this is a salty like talk about my team because you know me 1 p.m. on a Sunday with the D crew. That's where I want my team. I don't want you talking about my football team because that's when they don't show up. So just do Lions, Lions, Lions all over the place. That would be great. Um, and, you know, let the league MVP, the presumptive league MVP, as they keep saying, run it down their throats. Um, but it is cool for them, man. Like, the Dan Campbell hire, we, we, we've been doing this podcast a while now. We were on this podcast when that man got hired and it was three years to the day of the famous, we're going to bite kneecaps and, <laughs> and people laughed at him. And what he has done is has built a culture there in Detroit that has become, they are a tough SOB to play and that's how they should be. They got Penny Sewell absolutely murdering dudes when like, I think it was his first draft. They drafted Penny Sewell and they showed Dan Campbell hugging Brad Holmes, the GM, and, like, <laughs> man-hugging him, like, losing his mind, like, we got the best left tackle, yeah! Like, and, and he's just he's just man football with a little bit of analytics behind it, too. And I'm really happy for Detroit because it's a testament to, and maybe this is why you shouldn't hire Mike McDonald, it's a testament to, like, you, sometimes as the head coach, you don't just want the sexy coordinator name. Like, Dan Campbell... There was a story that came out. Dan Campbell said he didn't really want to coach. He liked or head coach. He liked what he was doing in New Orleans under Sean Payton and kind of where his gig was at. But then said when the the opportunity to come back home to Detroit, back home former team, what that he played for obviously, to come back to Detroit and and lead that organization and try and change things there, he said it was an opportunity that he couldn't pass up. And having a CEO emotional leader like that is important. Like, John Harbaugh is the same thing. John Harbaugh is a testament. Not, we, 2008, so obviously we were much younger at this point, but I didn't know who John Harbaugh was from a hole in the head when, when the Ravens hired him. He was a special teams coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I went, alright, sure, fine. And you know what it is? 
all these years later, he is the dude breaking out the geriatric dance moves in the locker room because those that team loves him and they want to play for him. And he is he is the head of the snake. He is the the be all and end all of the organization. He doesn't have to call plays. He can waste his time with terrible challenges and clock management, which is something we we've talked about at length. But he is. He is the rock. He is the foundation of that organization, the same way that Dan Campbell is for the Lions. I think they made an incredible hire with him. The the arrow is only pointing up. And, yeah, go kick the Niners' ass on Sunday, please, because I would love nothing more than to depress Detroit further than they've been. They've been, they've been had a couple of depressions. We could just say that. But I, I would love to be the one that upsets them again in a couple weeks' time. Uh, but, yeah, but other than you know, obviously – joking a little bit the story's awesome they they did a great job with campbell and they're gonna be a like the lions packers is gonna be a force for years to come with caleb williams presumably coming into the nfc north as well with the chicago bears sorry vikings fans i guess like (laughs) it's just it's really really cool stuff for that franchise to kind of emerge as as a new i don't know power quote unquote in the nfl the final final matchup chiefs bills not a classic necessarily but certainly a back and forth hard fought battle between two evenly matched teams what that level is we're probably going to find out this weekend with, with with ravens chiefs but at least these two teams chiefs and bills evenly matched obviously to the to the last drive the bills man seemed to be getting a lot of breaks the fumbles bouncing their way, bouncing out of bounds. Uh, exactly the type of plays, the type of breaks that you need in a close playoff game when you're playing a team that you haven't beat in the postseason uh, in, in this era. And yet, even with all that, they still couldn't close it out. Uh, Bass with the bad field goal miss that he he has looked shaky for them in multiple postseasons. I guess it's the weather. I guess it's the wind. I don't know. Certain kickers look... Uh, look different, let's say, in cold weather, but he, he has really struggled. And the Bills, again, looking at an offseason uh, with a lot of questions and a lot of what-ifs while the Chiefs move on. I'll, I'll just go quickly here because I know Jason's going to have more salient points in this game. Um, the Bills need to change something. It, it, it just has to change. You have your franchise quarterback. I know you have a ton of injuries, but you fired both coordinators and <laughs> – Sean McDermott's got to be the next one on the chopping block. Like, not even that he's a bad football coach, uh, but he could fill one of those roles that Mike McDonald might take. No, but just obviously kidding. Um, there's enough baggage there with that team, and I know it's the Bills who have plenty of baggage anyway. <laughs> um, I just, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm like, thank you for the time. You know, no hard feelings here but we can't run this back. Like we just absolutely cannot run this back. And um, yeah, the chiefs are the chiefs. It sucks that they have to come into Baltimore and play them. Patrick Mahomes is going to be, he is going to be the Tom Brady for the next generation. And I'm not saying he's going to win seven Super Bowls. I'm not saying he's going to be the goat. I'm not saying we got to put the emoji next to him every time we put him up on Instagram <laughs> reels or TikToks or whatever, but he's going to be the guy that you get to the final four and for, Obviously, this podcast being an AFC podcast with the Ravens, you're going to be like, son of a... We got to play this guy again. 
You gotta knock off. You gotta you gotta cut the head off the snake. I don't know why I keep using that analogy. It's weird. <laughs> um, he he's just that dude. He is the final boss of of the level. He is he is Melania in Elden Ring for you nerds out there. Like he is the he is that final person that you gotta overcome. He's tough as hell to beat, and he did it again. And I feel bad for Bills fans, but like, man, I hate the Chiefs. Like, it's just, I don't. I, again, I said I didn't. End, I'm letting Jace go last because I don't have any salient points on this other than like, yeah, the Chiefs did it again. They're gonna they're gonna BS their way to the AFC title game again because they're that good and they have that guy under center. And um, also shout out Jason Kelsey. Having a great time. Like I love that every Taylor Swift cutaway, which whatever. I don't. I don't mind them. They're fine. She's coming to Baltimore. I hope they make a ton of money on her coming to Baltimore. That's great. I don't want to see her in Vegas. Like she. She can go away after that. But I love that every they are cutting her to her a bunch of times, and then there's just this giant man with his shirt off, <laughs> slugging beers, and that's the dude that you see in the camera shot when it's like, oh, here's Taylor Swift and Britney, Mar- here's Jason Kelsey, like he's breaking the glass like Stone Cold, like he's just the guy there all the time. I thought that was awesome. So good on him, and um, yeah, terrified of the Chiefs, which we'll get into a bit later. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the 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 Pat's dynasty parallels. I mean, we're getting close. Close to them. I know he's the, got 13 co- playoff wins and he's like 26. Yeah, the, 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 the rings obviously are, aren't the same, but this is six straight AFC championship games for the Chiefs now. Brady's high water mark, he made eight straight in their last, that last run where they won their three straight, their set, the three Super Bowls in five years uh, um, with the Pats there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is the thing you have to go through. And I think. Antonio, you mentioned like this, the Bills and Tim, like McDermott. It, I do. Th- it's weird because I think both things are true. I do think they need to change something up, and then it's also like, how do you fire a coach who has made the divisional round four straight years? Like I know they can't get over the hump, but it's two losses to the Chiefs. Yep. They lose to Burrow and the Bengals last year, um, and then in the first time it's they lose the AFC. We lost to them, so then they lost the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs in 2020. So, um, you know, it, it, it's he would 100, percent I think, be snapped up by some team if he became available because I think there's clearly things he does well. But I think you just have to be so discouraged if you're a Bills fan for this game because I thought Allen played really well, really. It wasn't his worst throw was unfortunately right at the end. He gets bumped kind of because Chris Jones blows up Deion Dawkins and he knocks into kind of Allen as he's going for the hero ball for the touchdown, uh, like a player two, like two plays before the bass miss. And that kind of was the game right there because he had a guy wide open the end zone and just couldn't get him the ball because of because the play Chris Jones made. But I thought Allen was good. They ran the ball pretty good in this game. The Chiefs only had the ball for 22-57 in this game, but they were just so hyper-efficient. They ran 31 less plays than the Bills, but the yardage was nearly identical. It was within 10 yards. And Mahomes wasn't sacked. Now, Allen wasn't sacked either, but this wouldn't have been a game um, if the Mikko Hardman play didn't happen. Mikko Hardman has two touches and two fumbles in this game, and the second one, he fumbles out of the end zone, and that comes after the Bills... Uh, DeMar Hamlin, of all people, <laughs> stopped on a fake punt attempt when the Chiefs somehow have 10 players on the field. I thought that was kind of a panicky moment, and I was like, oh, God, the Chiefs are going to punch this in, uh, and that'll be that. They would have been up double digits at that point. They were already up at, at that point in the game. Um, 
And they drive right down the field, but then Hardman fumbles it. And like you said, Antonio, the Chiefs had all the fumble luck go against their way. They could have scooped and scored later if they had gotten them fully, but they didn't jump on the ball. That could have ended, I believe that was like the drive they missed the field goal on. But this game got wonky down the stretch. It was really good for a while, but just the team that wins all the time came out on top. (laughs) It's the Chiefs. And yeah, like I said, this probably wouldn't have been a game if that Hardman play didn't happen. I think that just kind of opened the door up for weirdness <laughs> down the stretch. Otherwise, the Chiefs might have cruised. Um, but yeah, it's kind of demoralizing if you're the Bills. Certainly the wide right uh, was a kind of a twist of the knife. But um, the Chiefs just have been playing really good ball. Mahomes hasn't been sacked in the playoffs yet. And um, it's going to be a challenge. They're, they're playing well. Kelsey had two touchdowns, right? He finally got on the board. I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're the Bills. Uh, I don't know that you can really feel like you blew it. I mean, you did blow it, uh, but at the same time, I, like, the, the Chiefs scored 27 points, and they have the ball for, like, 21 minutes, basically. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? They're just, as Tim said, it's the team you have to beat, and uh, I thought they played a great game on the road. Obviously, Mahomes' first road playoff game. And it's another one the Bills just kind of have to stew in. And that's, that sucks for their fans especially. I mean, you saw that one poor guy. They had a real tight close-up on just bawling his eyes out. Uh, like, that's that's tough. That's that's a tough tough screenshot for the young man. So, uh, um, That was the yeah. oldest thing you've ever said. <laughs> was that Jim Nance for a second? A, that's a tough screenshot for the young man. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I was pulling for the Bills just because their propensity to self-destruct, I think, would have made them an easier opponent for the Ravens. But no, <laughs> the, the Chiefs won. And uh, I, they won because that propensity to self-destruct kind of hit, hit, hit the Bills right in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, eh, you know, Mahomes, Mahomes is here again. Six straight AFC title games. All right, we'll talk about that one next. But briefly, let's get to the NFC for, for the title game. Lions, 49ers. I mean, Lions have won two games, buoyed by that amazing crowd, made some nice plays, but neither win was especially dominant. The defense, uh, you know, has their issues. And the 49ers, meanwhile, scratched and clawed just to beat the seven seed at home. So it there's not <laughs> there's not a lot to like here, but the easy thing to say is Jared Goff outside on the road is enough to be leaning leaning 49ers uh, in this matchup. But unclear uh, about Debo, Debo Samuel uh, with a shoulder injury. He uh, All the quotes are saying he's 50-50 right now, whether he'll play. Tim uh, teased this a bit earlier. It is a statement of Brock Purdy that one wide receiver being out is a major aspect to this football game. When that same team still has Christian McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, plenty of other names on that offense. And yet, if Debo is out of this game, you have to imagine the the line may shift. It's currently a, uh, 49ers as seven-point favorites. But there's just not going to be that third-and-seven type guy uh, that Purdy loves to, to go to. So what do you guys make of, of this matchup, um, given the, the golf story and the potential... Uh, Samuel injury. I think if I think if you're a Niners fan, everything that we said beforehand, you can also look at it as, yeah, but this was the game that we knocked the rust off, and now we're going to be back, um, which is certainly something that could happen. Um, I think this game is either a one point game or 
a 21 or more point game. Like, I think either the Niners just say, you can go to bed early. We're in the Super Bowl. Don't worry about it. And punch the Lions in the mouth. Or the Lions pull something out. And one of those teams. I can see the Lions winning this football game. But I think they're gonna, if they win it, it's going to be a one or two point game. Um, or it's just it's weird. Like the Niners are so weird to me because the Niners have this been this theoretical juggernaut that we have talked about for years, and then it's like, oh well, they end up getting hurt, or oh they got this Brock Purdy guy at quarterback, and it's all these freaking excuses for this team. Um, Kyle Shanahan finally got a win when he was down in the fourth quarter, which is big, but also it's like one in thirty-one or whatever, so. <laughs> not like that means a ton of you know it doesn't mean if they're down again in the fourth quarter i'm not gonna sit here being like well he got the one last week so i'm sure they're fine now like i think the niners have holes i don't know if the lions are good enough to expose said holes um and i think the the lions defense could certainly be an issue but who knows i you know one thing that i wouldn't have said even weeks ago that I'm going to say now is I think when it's, when the lions have the football, I think that unit is clearly better than the Niners defense, which is something that I wouldn't have said a while ago. I think the Niners defense has been exposed a little bit. They have certain holes. Ben Johnson is an incredible coordinator who obviously is going to get all those jobs that Mike Mack isn't going to get. Um, It's just like the fifth time I mentioned this in this podcast, just trying to will it into fruition. (laughs) Um, But I think that, there's a case for the Detroit Lions here. I don't know if I'm going to take them yet. As as I'm speaking into this microphone, I haven't made a pick yet on this game that we're going to do a little bit later. <coughs> there There is a case for the Detroit Lions, but there could also be a, why the hell did I just bet on the Detroit Lions? Because <laughs> by halftime, it's a 21-point game. That, that's what makes this game hard for me. Because I agree with, like, I think like the Lions offensive line, I think, can certainly hold their own, if not outright, uh, win the matchup with the San Francisco defensive line. And then, yeah, their back end has question marks. So the Lions could potentially move the ball. But that being said, like, I don't think Detroit's defense is all that great. Like, the Bucks put over 400 yards on them. <laughs> so can the Niners do that? And then, But then that goes to the side of, well, is Debo out going to be that big a deal? Because I think I said the exact same thing, that the recent uh, trajectory of the Packers suggested that the Niners were just going to roll over them and like McCaffrey was going to have a big game and that didn't really come to fruition. So I don't know. It's weird. And you were talking to him about the, the supposed 49ers juggernaut. So I kind of just went back and looked after, after their bye and they had that, they lost the three straight games leading into the bye and then they ripped off a bunch of wins in a row, but it was against the Jags 34 to three uh, who turned out to be frauds. Uh, the Bucks, Seahawks, Eagles, fraud alert. Seahawks again. Cardinals. Then the Ravens kicked their butt. (laughs) Uh, And then they beat the Commanders team that finished with the second pick of the draft. And then they sat everyone against the Rams. So it's kind of been an actual while, at least a full month, since we've sort of seen the Niners play well in a win. And that was against the Cardinals on the road in a stadium that was like half Niners fans. So they're definitely not playing as well as they were earlier in the season, I would say. And um, they put up some huge, like they beat the Eagles 42 to 19. But, you know, I think in hindsight, some of these results, you kind of say, oh, maybe that says more about that team than the Niners. So I don't know. I still think I lean the Niners um, and I'm not going to be surprised if they run over them, but it should be interesting. And I think definitely to your point, the Niners or uh, the Lions can hang. And if they hang, I think we could have a shootout. It might be a pretty high scoring game because 
I, I even though I said the same thing about the Packers, I'm not super confident in the Lions' defense to to kind of keep uh, the 49ers entirely in check, even if Debo's not out there. All right, enough of that. Let's get to the the big one. Let's get to the important one: Ravens at home against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Ravens currently three and a half point favorites. Before we get into too much analysis here. First things first, guys. If the Ravens do their thing, they will win this game. They are the one seed. They are at home. They have the uh, soon-to-be MVP quarterback. Their offense can overwhelm, and their defense can contain, if not shut down. The problem is that Patrick Mahomes is not C.J. Stroud. Mahomes has played in this game every year as a starter, which seems pretty good. (laughs) He will not be afraid of the atmosphere. Uh, He's going to move the ball. But can the Ravens force the Chiefs to go on long, tedious drives full of third downs? And can they keep them to field goals where they're at, you know, 10, 13, 16 points as opposed to 21, 28, 35 points? Can they force the Chiefs to take these long drives that then end up only in three points? I, I think it's definitely possible, and I, I think the key is going to just be their pass rush. They need a similar performance as we saw against the Texans. And I will say, you know, Tunsil's great, but on the whole, the Chiefs' offensive line, probably better than the Texans' offensive line. They they keep him pretty clean. I, I think I mentioned in passing, Mahomes hasn't been sacked in the playoffs yet, including the game against the Dolphins, including the game against the Bills. Um, but if they can I'm going to jump him, in, Jace. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> The Dolphins literally ha- didn't have a pass rusher <laughs> left on the roster. Yeah. They, don't, they didn't have a linebacker. They didn't have a pass rusher. They had Justin Houston uh, on that team, <laughs> and they played at home, and the Dolphins' D was already not very good. I mean, you're right about everything. However, I'm not jumping up and down that Mahomes hasn't gotten, hasn't gotten sacked yet. Well, it's, no, coming. I, it's coming. It's coming. And I think that's the key is they haven't faced a pass rush like the Ravens have. Um, and I thought back watching kind of the Bills-Bucks game, I, I thought back to Super Bowl 55, which was when the Buccaneers pantsed the Chiefs 31-9, to held them to nine points. That team still had Tyreek Hill, uh, and they just completely shut them down, Todd Bowles and company, by making Patrick Mahomes run around all day behind and admittedly way worse than they are now, uh, offensive line. Um, and it's going to take something like that to just pressure him repeatedly all day, not let him make plays, just keep him running around, limit the big plays, certainly. Um, and, like, I do think Mahomes has gotten better at just taking the small stuff. He doesn't seem to force quite the big play quite as much. I mean, he dropped a few dimes in that his guys still dropped on <laughs> on Sunday. But I think that encourages me a little bit in if that they can put pressure on him. I don't think the Chiefs' weapons are certainly as good as they were even a few years ago. Even Kelsey, who, you know, we saw two touchdowns. I just don't think they're the same level and certainly not out wide. Like, there's no Tyreek Hill here. If they can put pressure on him, they have a chance. They have a real chance because I don't think they have the weapons that he can just do it on his own, certainly, in this game. I think out of structure is the biggest thing. I think Mahomes – and, and it, this kind of plays into it a little bit. It's 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 a tangential thing. It's a little bit different. But, like, the, you know, we mentioned it earlier. But the Texans ran that one trick play, and the Ravens were like, uh-uh, I don't think so, and just shut that stuff down. With, with the Chiefs – I think the Ravens are going to be able to get pressure. I think the Ravens' defense in structure 
is going to be very good. But when he's scrambling out to the right and trying to find somebody across the middle, like I think that's when the Ravens need to expose this offense for what it is, which is not very good with the best quarterback in the league. That's what it is. Um, and I think that if they can limit these, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes plays. Uh, by the way, you know, Tony Romo's on this game, so just, yeah. just have some headphones. <laughs> have some headphones on, guys, um, because yeah, I, I, I got the soundproof ones in the basement. I might be turning those on and blasting like heavy metal when the Raven or when Patrick Mahomes is on offense, so I don't hear Tony Romo speaking into a microphone. Um, you know, a couple Coronas deep. <laughs> But I, I think that out of structure is the thing that they need to really worry about. And he's going to have a couple. He's Patrick Mahomes. But not let him consistently Ben Roethlisberger you all over the place. Where it's third and seven. Great defense. How did he get out of that? Oh my gosh, he's running for seven and a half yards first down. Those are the backbreakers that I think can, um, can hurt this defense. That I think they need to obviously be on top of. And then... With that, if the Ravens play their game and they're kind of in control of this, I don't think this is as much of a factor, but it certainly can be if if, if and when the game gets tight, is the Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I love Isaiah Pacheco. He's a hard runner. He's a high stepper. He, he is a mean SOB to tackle. Roquan Smith, I would just like you to introduce yourself a couple times early in the game. We'll just say that. Make it known that, yeah, your style ain't going to work here. This is not... You're not playing the Dolphins. You're not playing the Bills, who don't had me lining up at middle linebacker in that football game. Um, I think make your presence known early. We'll just say that, and, and that should be a non-factor. But for me, it's the out-of-structure stuff that the Ravens need to learn. The second phase of an offensive play that the Ravens need to make sure that they are ready for, contain, and don't drop their head if one or two of them gets converted. Yeah, the Chiefs' offense these days is what whatever version of Travis Kelsey this is. Some weeks he looks old, and then other weeks he looks rejuvenated, reincarnated. Um, it's Rasheed Rice, the rookie wide receiver, and then Pacheco, as Tim mentioned. They will throw one pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and two to Noah Gray. Um, but the first three names are 90% of how this offense operates. Kadarius Tony is hurt and or locked in a closet somewhere in the basement of their <laughs> facility. And I'm going to assume that McCall Hardman does not get so many touches in this game <laughs> after the, the, the fumble skis that he had on Sunday. I think this is kind of great for the Ravens. It is taking away the two fastest players that the Chiefs have on offense, which I think might have been a, an area to, to kind of exploit for, for the Ravens' defense. Obviously, we, we love our linebackers. We love Kyle Hamilton being there. N not not a speed guy. He's the pterodactyl all over the field, but not like a straight-line sprinter. Not having either of those guys and relying on the Kelsey's got to catch it five yards downfield and do that little swing swing turn to try to turn it into a first down. I'm, I feel good about the Ravens just dealing with that enough over drives, over quarters, over halves, to keep things slow and methodical for the Chiefs as opposed to big scores, big plays, guys getting wide open. If they don't play these these burners, who I I would <laughs> – Tony, I, I'd have to confirm if he's, like, officially just out-out for this game. Obviously, he has been for weeks, but the Hardman thing I would also love to see uh, where, where he is at in terms of 
does he have any snaps offensively? We'll probably still uh, catch do do some stuff in the return game, but I'm not sure how much he's going to be doing as a wide receiver. Um, I, I, go ahead, I just feel like as a coach. If you give a guy two touches and he fumbles both times, you just that has to be a not option for you. Uh, I, I feel like, but I will say just with, with what you're running through, Antonio, it's very weird to say because the other quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. But I feel like generally I am more confident in the Ravens' defense going into this game than their offense, and I feel like part of that's just because. I feel like the defense has brought it pretty much every week since their collapse against the Browns. Some minor hiccups against Matt Stafford, but he was slinging it uh, in that game. But uh, I feel like they're so consistent, whereas, like, if the Ravens win is always kind of determined by, like, well, is the offense not doing stupid stuff this game? (laughs) And I feel like that'll be a long way. Now, that's easier said than done, obviously, against Mahomes. But I do feel like they weren't on the field a lot at all against the Texans, really. 47 plays the Texans ran, uh, and only 19 plays in the second half the Texans had. So this defense should be rested on top of just having an extra day of rest, which is, you know, not insignificant come playoff time. And uh, so I'm encouraged. I have hopes that they can – you're not going to shut Patrick Mahomes down. But we saw a few times this year where, like, we watch, I think America watched the game they played against the Raiders on Christmas Day where, like, they just, like, can't do things. And obviously they've looked great in the playoffs, but I think if they get after them with the, their weapon situation where it is, it does it does feel like the entire rest of the season should have at least a little bearing on the playoffs. Like, what we saw for 17 games of the Chiefs offense not really having weapons and being able to move the ball all that well. So, like what you guys have said, if the Ravens play their game, I feel like they can make that version of the Chiefs kind of reappear again. Let's turn offensively for the Ravens. The Chiefs just came out of a game where for very long stretches they struggled against the run, whether that be running backs, whether that be Josh Allen... Tony Romo said it, I think, three times uh, during the game that, like, I would be very, very concerned if I were a Chiefs fan right now. Seems like a good setup for the Ravens, who would prefer, they would love to just hand it off, get five yards of carry, let Lamar do some stuff, get seven yards, not even need to really put it in the air that much, and end the game with your classic 40 carries, 200 yards on the ground, time of possession, and force the Chiefs to, to pass on every down. How do you guys see... Uh, the Ravens offensively in this game? Well, I think it's it, it's more of the same sort of than hopefully from what we saw in the second half. From what you said, uh, they had to play 78 snaps in that game against the Bills. They were, they were on, they had 31 more plays the Bills did than the Chiefs. So the Chiefs defense got a lot of work and, and Allen is tough and physical and not fun to tackle. He was the Bills leading rusher and now you go against just kind of this completely different Lamar. We mentioned the the rushing a little bit, but, like, Lamar has hit his, like, rushing overs in, like, every single playoff game. He definitely, like, looks to run way more in the playoffs. Now, in the past, in the past that's been because the pass offense is not working quite so much, so he's been running the ball. But, you know, Lamar made some history in the, this last game with his 100, over 100 pass yards, 100 rush yards, 100 passer rating, and, and four touchdowns. He's like a completely different element to kind of go against. 
And I know the Chiefs' defense is pretty good, but from what you you said, I, I thought they they gave up enough in the run game that certainly if the Ravens get a lead, uh, you would think they can maybe try to lean on them a little bit. Um, it's going to be tough, though. They can't make mistakes. They didn't against the Texans, but certainly you can't have turnovers against Patrick Mahomes or you're going to lose the game. They have to play basically another perfect game on offense, which is a big ask. You are the home team, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It, they're, 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 the Chiefs secondary is nasty. McDuffie, Sneed, they're pretty good. So it's not going to be easy uh, by any means. And obviously Chris Jones can be a handful inside, so they got to lock him down. And Karloftis seems to have a pretty good few plays here and there. So they, they got some guys on defense. It's not going to be easy. I think it's certainly a tougher challenge than what the Texans presented um, even. Uh, but... Yeah, I am encouraged that they're tired out from this kind of slugfest against the Bills and aren't uh, quite ready for Lamar. I'd be surprised if he doesn't uh, have a ton of rushing yards in this game because I, I think they'll A, he'll need it given how good the Chiefs secondary is, and B, I just think, you know, the Chiefs have had to play an extra game too in the playoffs. This is where rest kind of should start to matter, right? The deeper you get into the playoffs, they did have to play in, you know, negative 30 degree weather at Arrowhead Stadium in the first round. Even if that game wasn't that hard on them, they still had to play it. And so, yeah, um, I think it'll be harder. I think it'll be tougher going, but I do think there are at least going to be some opportunities, especially when it comes to their run game. Yeah, I think, you know, not to, you know, mention all the same points that Jace does, but I think the kind of, back to my original point about the Ravens defense I think the out of structure stuff is going to be so important for the Ravens in that you know when Legereus Sneed who I think is an incredible cornerback long physical a guy that if he gets his hands on Zay Flowers Zay Flowers ain't getting anywhere because he's just got that that lock him up ability um, but for the Ravens if Lamar doesn't see something I don't want him forcing stuff and taking his six, seven, eight yards on the ground and, and moving on to the next play, I think is going to be vitally important. Um, I, I don't think that – I think the defense is going to do enough for you where you don't feel like you have to force it on the offensive side of the ball, I guess, is kind of the biggest point here. And, yeah, the Chiefs defense has dudes, but they're a little bit banged up too. You know, look out for a Willie Gay and a Nick Bolton, two good linebackers. They ain't no Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, but they're, they're very good on the inside there. Uh, but I think this this Ravens offense, in theory, and all of this is in theory because then all of a sudden you drop Patrick Mahomes in, and he's like, um, what are those peppers? The peppers that you can have that like every, one out of every ten is like super spicy. I can't remember. Patrick what Mahomes peppers? Is yeah, that what the, yeah, just call them Mahomes peppers. And he's the one that you just throw in. It's like, yeah, this is the really spicy one that's going to screw up your bowel system. Like he he could be that thing for the Ravens. Other than that. They should be okay. And on the offensive side of the football, I think, you know, establishing the run game, finding your secondary receivers who aren't on a Legereus uh, Sneed or Legereus Sneed isn't on them, excuse me, and using the vast amount of weapons that you have is going to be crucial. And I think, too, the, the, the other biggest thing for me is the adjustment has to come before halftime. Like, you you had a little bit of time against the Texans to, you know, knock the boots, knock the rust off, get the snow off of everything, and, and shake it off and get going. Um, not to use a Taylor Swift song, but I I 
I think for this game, that needs to come way sooner. If you're seeing something, Todd Munkin's seeing something early, he's got to be able to pivot and say, all right, we're going to go in this direction. They have to have plan B, C, D, E, and F um, to, to make sure that it isn't stagnant. Because I tell you what, the defense – the defense can do their job. They can do their damnedest. But if you give the ball back with Patrick Mahomes, or you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with two minutes left and you're up seven, I ain't super confident, um, no matter how good your defense is. So the offense has to do their job to make sure that we don't get stuck in a situation like that. All right, I'm going to run through <clears throat> excuse me, some intangibles here. Uh, some of the injury news, first of all. Mark Andrews practice last week he was a full participant i think the last two practices i i had a thought that he might have actually played against the texans he did not rinse repeat for this week right was this just the classic harbaugh uh red herring like oh yeah yeah we'll have you practice we'll have you take big steps uh at practice but (laughs) you are not healthy enough to play in an nfl football game or is he actually ready to go Uh, and they were kind of holding him for for this exact moment Marlon Humphrey, another guy. He's been out now for for over a month. We'll see if he comes back for this one. But the Chiefs have some injuries of their own. Uh, Joe Tooney with with a pec injury uh, in the Bills game. That would be a massive loss for them uh, in the interior uh, of the offensive line. Uh, Willie Gay was knocked out of of the um, game uh, against the Bills. uh, And a a few other players. So we'll see how that shakes out as the week goes along obviously um and then this is kind of like a combination of probably not the most important things but pushing them all into a pile feels kind of interesting um we've kind of touched on a few of these things already the ravens game on saturday not the most physical football game the ravens i don't think they had any major well they definitely didn't have any major injury I'm not even sure how many little things that that at least were visible on the field of players getting shaken up, whereas that Chiefs-Bills game was violent almost. It was a physical battle between those two teams that that several Chiefs got got banged up in. The Ravens will have an extra day's rest. The Ravens will have stayed home while the Chiefs had to go Kansas City to Buffalo, back to Kansas City, then to Baltimore on a kind of compressed week. The Chiefs last played the Ravens in September of 2021. They did not play them uh, in 2022, and they did not play them this year. Why do I say this? Why is Lamar Jackson so good against NFC teams? He plays them very, very rarely and certainly not twice a year. We're almost far enough away. When when you get to almost three full seasons away from playing an opponent... They're the the who would I can't I I don't know the Chiefs as an expert but I'm gonna assume they have several different starting players on that defense than they did in September of 2021. They will have to adjust to Lamar Jackson uh, very very quickly if they want to have success against them. There's just several things here that when you put them all together has me leaning a certain way in terms of how I see this this game going, um, and, and then a few other things the weather. Should be mid-40s, not going to be freezing cold. Chance of rain. Let's just hope that that just blows right on through by the time by the time we get to football kickoff. Um, and then I'm just going to hate the, 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 the Kelsey Swift stuff. I, I know I'm going to hate it. It hasn't really bothered me week in, week out, but when it's against the Ravens, by the second time they show her, I'm going to be throwing my shoe at the television. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I I've largely thought most people have been making way too big a deal of this. It's a three second cutaway to like one of the three most famous people on the planet right now. I don't know that that's like that outrageous be, for the the most famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know that that's outrageous for the NFL to do. But yeah, when when Kelsey catches like a touchdown to put us down like fourteen to seven or something, I'm gonna be like losing my mind. A hundred percent. You mentioned uh, injuries, Antonio. The only one that kind of was even asked about for the Ravens was Gus Edwards kind of looked like he got banged up a little bit sort of late. He like exited the game and was kind of rocking the code on the sidelines. But Harbaugh said he was, quote, okay. So who knows what that means? <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, outside of that, that uh, everyone else seemed to uh, escape scot-free. So they're, they're bringing you know, about as good as you can ask for, uh, and especially if Andrews comes back, and it seemed like he wanted to play. It seemed like that was a Ravens decision for him to not play. So um, if he's back, this is about as all systems go, as the Ravens, the Ravens have been in playoff time in eight years <laughs> since 2019. This is like the most healthy they've certainly been in, in, in a long time at this spot. So um, that bodes well. I, I think it plays in their favor and uh, – um, yeah, like you said, uh, a lot of the guys who were on that 2021 team uh, for the Chiefs weren't like like Karloftis and McDuffie were still in college, just two of like their standouts. But um, I do think that game is minorly important, Antonio, just in the sense that the, Lamar Jackson has beaten Patrick Mahomes. And we're not going into this at a, uh, at a blank slate. It's kind of like I, I kind of think back to the 2012 season um, – the Ravens only beat Tom Brady, like, I think three times ever <laughs> during his, his stretch in New England. Um, it was very limited. But, like, one of them was that 2009 playoff game, and then they beat him in the 2012 regular season and the 2012 AFC Championship game. And I think that 2012 regular season win where they came back on Sunday Night Football, Tucker had a late field goal he almost missed to, to, be, <laughs> to beat the Pats. Um I thought that game was important because, you know, the Ravens then went into Foxborough and they knew we can, from that game and from their 2009 game, they knew we can beat Brady here. We've done it before. We can do it again. I think that if there's anything that 2021 game, obviously I think the teams are completely different. Our offense is completely different. Our defense is completely different. Had a different defensive coordinator then too. Um, But... um, yeah, you can just take away that we've done it before, so there's no reason you should be you should be scared of playing Mahomes in your place. He just said everything there. Exactly <laughs> right. You get you got the reason that you fought all season long, the reason that you blew out the the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers is to get to this point right here where the golden boy and his golden buddy with his golden girlfriend, has to come to Baltimore and and play the game here with us. The Ravens have done it before. They've beat Patrick Mahomes. Adafi Owe made a great play in that game. Maybe look for him to do that again. That would be unrealistic. I just, I think, (laughs) in a weird way, and I don't know if this is just being a Ravens fan that's unusually optimistic about this, But in a weird way, I think the pressure is off a little bit. Like, the Ravens didn't lose to the Texans. That was the thing. That was the the nightmare scenario we were all thinking about. Well, guess what? The episode last week was named it. This isn't 2019. This isn't 2011. Billy Cundiff ain't walking through that door. Like, this team is built for this. 
They are built to do this. And I think the pressure of, well, can Lamar beat Patrick Mahomes? Can Lamar win the big one? I think a lot of that is kind of off here. And I think that obviously, yeah, it's seeing Patrick Mahomes as a dog in the AFC title game. Everybody and their brother is going to be like, well, that's that's the guy you got to bet on. That's the guy that you have to move to. But I think this Ravens team and the way this Chiefs team has kind of struggled all season is built to do this. They are not going to underestimate the Chiefs. They are not going to, I don't know, give it away in a sense. I think that they are built and ready to do this. And man, I just hope in seven days' time we are sitting here on this podcast in front of these microphones talking about how much it would cost to actually go to Las Vegas. <laughs> because I think it's going to be... Um, I don't know. I'm excited, man. And, and I think that they're in such a good spot. And it's very cool to be here in this moment. They've achieved the thing. They didn't trip over their own feet. They achieved the thing they needed to achieve to get to the big game, to, to go up against the final boss of the AFC. And let's see if they can take it home, man. I'm ready for it. I'm already ready. Work week doesn't matter at this point. Just get me to Sunday. Come on. Let's get to picks here. Uh, the quick one, first of all. 49ers minus seven. I don't love it, but I'm 100% on board with Tim. This is either a one-point game or a 20-point game. Um, one point either way or 20 points to the 49ers, and I think it's the I think it's the latter. I think they score first, and that's almost enough to undo the Lions, and Goff starts making mistakes, and the crowd is going crazy. Um, so 49ers minus seven. Ravens, minus three and a half. I'm tired of picking against this team. They have made me look terrible picking against them. Uh, the only pick I got wrong last week, two and one last week. Obviously, it was not having enough faith in this historically good Ravens team at home, minus three and a half. I'm taking them. I'm taking them, and they're going to win this football game. Big. I was the only one of us who picked the Ravens last week, I'm fairly certain. I I didn't have a great explanation for doing it last week. I just thought they were better than the Texans. And that's pretty much what I'm going with this week. I'm picking them to beat the Chiefs. And my Ravens minus three and a half. I think, you know, I, I'm not going to be stunned if Patrick Mahomes and company win. But, but like I kind of said, they beat Brady and Foxborough. They can certainly beat Patrick Mahomes in Baltimore. I'm picking the Ravens. I think... You know, the Mahomes, uh, I mean, run ends. I hope it ends. I can't do two weeks of, oh, he finally went on the road and now he's back to the Super. I just can't do that. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Uh, so let's pick the Ravens uh, for that reason alone. But no, I do think they're the better team. They're playing at home. And if they play their best game, they should beat this team because they're a better team and they proved it all season. Um, and then I'm also just picking the Niners, minus seven. Um same reason San Antonio had just, I feel like they, I've kind of got the, the rust off baby and can kind of pull away. I, I just think they're better than the Lions. I think the Lions have had an incredible run. It's just hard to imagine them going into to Santa Clara and, you know, pulling off the upset. So I'm going with Niners, but more importantly, Ravens, Super Bowl, Ravens, Niners, Super Bowl 47 rematch. We win it again. Let's go. Um, yeah, I'm on Niners minus seven, two, and I hate it. <laughs> Um, but for me, outside of everything that they, that the guys have said here, I think it's one of those where if we're sitting at like seven thirty Eastern on Sunday night, um, God willing basking in a Ravens win watching this game. And I'm just like, why did I bet on the lions? 
Like that that's the overwhelming feeling that I feel like I could have when it's twenty one to nothing in the second quarter and Dan Campbell, God love him, is just super confused on all, like just looks like befuddled and annoyed and you're like, Well, all right, that was stupid. I should have just taken Niners minus seven. Um and then everything I said before about the Ravens still stands, but Chiefs plus three and a half. Um <laughs> You know where I stand here, guys. Ravens win by three, Chiefs cover. Um, and that'll be it. Should say Pretty annoyed went 0 and 2 last week. I have 0 and 3 written here in our document, but only made two bets. Thanks to my one tease that I had uh, missing by a half a point. So that's super fun. Um, so 0 and 2. Thank you, 49ers, for not winning that game by three and a half points. That was super annoying. So now 28 and 27 on the season. Jace said it last week. It seemed destined that the Ravens would have to vanquish the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, just like they did against the Patriots in their last Super Bowl run. The Chiefs are a team that was a thorn in the Ravens' side in 2018, 2019, 2020, and they're the defending champs. But this is 2024. The Ravens are the better team on both sides of the ball and just walked up to the psychological wall that was the playoff struggles in the Lamar era and smashed it with a sledgehammer. The Chiefs have to come into Baltimore and play a perfect game just to have a chance. And I have a feeling the defense is not going to allow that to happen while the offense crashes down on them in ever stronger waves. One win from the Super Bowl. Thanks for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.